How many of you have never sung this before? No one. Well, yes, maybe a couple. All right, let's try it together. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. And we pray that all unity and one day be restored. And they'll know we Christians by our love, by our love. And they'll know we are Christians by our love. We will walk with each other. We will walk hand in hand. We will walk with each other. <coughs> in hand. And together we'll spread the news that God is in our land. And they'll know are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. We will work with each other. We'll work side by side. We will work with each other. We will work side by side. And we'll guard each one's dignity save each one a cry and we'll know they are Christians by our love, by our love, yes they'll know we are Christians by our love all praise to the Father whom all things come and all praise to Christ Jesus his only Son and all praise to the Spirit who makes us one. And they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. And they'll know we are Christians by our love. Now for our time of prayer, um, I just learned also this morning that Gene uh, Prouty, and many of you know Jean from Child Evangelism Fellowship. Uh, she had passed away. Uh, I know she was a big part of the church years ago, and um, she was the director of CEF. Uh, she would come and do teacher training and have classes, so we, we knew her well. Um, but uh, she went home to be with the Lord, so uh, please keep, uh, keep that in prayer. I have three thank you notes, and it's good to see Sandy uh, this morning. Good to have you with us. I appreciate that, and we're praying for you, you know, as well as other folks. Uh, this is from uh, Kelly Enders, uh, who's sitting right down front with Cam. Hey, Cam, buddy. It's quiet now. If I said amen, if I said amen, amen, he's shaking his head. Uh, you can do that, too. Amen. You just shake your head. Um, dear Word of Life Chapel family, thank you all for your prayers, donations, love, and encouragement to my family in the passing away of my three-year-old cousin, Lucas. John and Barb, the parents, have been, uh, have been able to accept this loss excuse me, as part of God's plan for their lives and are looking forward to the arrival of their baby girl, who is due in February. Uh, the peace and comfort they experience can uh, be nothing less than the work of God. Once again, thank you for praying for them. God bless you all. Uh, love, Kelly. Uh, so continue to pray for this 
uh, family that is grieving. And then uh, we do want to thank each of you who have donated monies toward the two needs uh, that we had posted on the white church, uh, Jeremiah Adams and Corey Hoffman. And um, I believe a little over $1,000 came in for Jeremiah and just under $1,000 came in uh, for Corey. Uh, this is a uh, thank you note from Jennifer and Jeremiah Adams. Uh, Dear Pastor Bob and congregation, my family and I don't know how to begin expressing our gratitude for your very kind donation. Despite all the struggles we have endured this year, we have been blessed to belong to such a wonderful community. Jeremiah's surgery is finally scheduled and will take place in San Diego immediately following the Thanksgiving holiday. As nervous as we are, what we fear the most is how our children will cope without us over the holiday and the weeks to follow. We pray we will return home before Christmas and be reunited with our children before the year ends. I will be taking, this is Jennifer, I will be taking an unpaid leave of absence from work while Jeremiah undergoes this dire operation. So I worry that our struggles will, con- to, will extend for some time. We continue to pray every day that God will provide for and watch over our family and friends. We can't say it enough. Thank you so much for your help during this very difficult time. We pray you are all well. God bless you, Jennifer and Jeremiah. So pray for them. Uh, Just after Thanksgiving, they traveled to San Diego without their children uh, for for this surgery. And then Corey Hoffman, as you know, he lost his wife in a train Uh, accident not that long ago. Uh, Dear friends at Word of Life Chapel, Lacey, that's his uh, little girl, Lacey and I, and I think she's only three months, four months, just very young, Lacey and I wanted to let you all know how very grateful we are for the monetary gift and most importantly for the thoughts and prayers you all have been sending during this difficult time in our lives. When Lacey gets old enough to understand I'm looking forward to sharing with her about how many kind and compassionate people there are in this world and how much they all cared about us. Please continue to pray for our family as this healing process will take time. Thank you all for your kindness and love. May God continue to bless your church family, uh, the family of Tricia Lynn Hoffman. So continue to pray for Corey. I'm sure they greatly, uh, greatly need Uh, our continued prayers. So, Father, as we bow before you now this morning, we thank you that we can do just that. Uh, Father, we know that there are a lot of struggles, a lot of difficulties, a lot of needs in this world. And, Father, I'm thankful, so thankful to be a part of this congregation that, Father, when there is a heartfelt need, uh, there is a response and sacrifice made, and Father, we appreciate that about this group of, of people here at Word of Life. And so although maybe the monies we've given, the prayers we offer, Father, it's just a little bit in, in helping um, in their lives and bringing a little bit of uh, comfort, a little bit of um, peace. And yet, Lord, we do what we can. But as we think about these families and we think about Jeremiah who is um, anticipating this very major surgery 
over the holiday season. We pray, Lord, that you might uh, guide the hands of the physicians and the nurses and the surgeons, that, Father, this would go very well. And we ask, as their concern is, that they might be able to return home very quickly to once again be with their family. Father, before the year ends, before Christmas uh, comes about, think of Corey Hoffman as well. Lord, we certainly pray that, uh, Lord, you might comfort him. Uh, tragic loss. What a tragic loss. And yet, Lord, you are able to comfort those who need comfort as the God of all comfort. As you have been granting, grant this peace. Lord, as you've granted to the parents of the, who have lost this little three-year-old boy. Father, we pray that that peace that passes all understanding might just rest upon these, Lord, who have been through a loss. And we ask that, Father, you might just move into their lives as only you are able uh, to bring about that great and wonderful peace. Lord, it's good to see Sandy. We thank you, Father, for uh, the fact that she can be with us this morning. We, we pray for a quick recovery. Uh, Father, I think of the Jean Prouty family. Lord, here's a woman who has dedicated her life to children. And being the director of Child Evangelism Fellowship, Father, for many, many years. One Lord who uh, just has given herself over to the training of these children. And we thank you for that. Thank you for her life and, Father, uh, for her involvement here, even in our church. Uh, Father, we pray that this funeral would go well and that, Father, you might be honored and, and greatly glorified. Father, we thank you this morning for the day that is before us. Father, this is a special day, a celebrating day, a day in which we come around the Lord's table. We come to celebrate the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for the work that is finished. For Jesus on the cross said, it is finished. Nothing more needs to be done to bring salvation to the world. Father, now salvation is by grace because Jesus has done all the rest. It is up to mankind, men and women, boys and girls, to trust that work of Jesus, to believe that Jesus died on the old rugged cross and gave his life a ransom for a many. Father, the greatest need in the world is forgiveness of sins. And so we pray that many would come, Lord, through our church, uh, through our families, through us individually, that many would come to a saving knowledge of Christ as they hear and come, come under the sound of the gospel. You are a great and awesome God, Yahweh, the sovereign one the universal God. Father, we thank you that you have revealed yourself to us. Move us through this service and may the Spirit of God have free course and be glorified. Help us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we pray these things in his name. Amen. Amen. Lord, I come I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart. 
Our God, and all will see 
as he wash all my sins away. Amen. You may receive it. That's, that's some powerful stuff when you're standing in front and you can listen to however many people are here singing how great is our God and it overpowers the instruments, it overpowers the speakers and the voices are just lifted up. It's a blessing to be able to be up here and just to listen to the voices lifted up together. Um, they're clearing away this stuff for, for communion. That way nobody trips over anything. That, that wouldn't be good. Um, have you ever had a place that was very special to you? Um, a place that means a lot to you, a place of great significance. Um, I know in my life, uh, I have a couple of places that, that meant a lot. Number one of them was my grandparents' house, where they lived out in this place called Pocona in Bolivia, Pocona, in a valley called Laimina. Laimina. And it was up with the Quechua Indians. There's about three million of them, I believe, in Bolivia. Um, and they didn't speak Spanish, they spoke Quechua, which I never got to learn, unfortunately. But um, they, they lived, they dedicated their lives, they gave their lives to Jesus out there. Um, and, this, this, and this is kind of a little bit of a bad, uh, it's a very good picture, actually. I think Lisa Miller took it um, on our Bolivia trip. But this doesn't do justice to some of the huge mountains that were there that um, are not in this picture. But I loved being out there with them. It was a very special place for me. Great memories. Um, I, I've always kind of one, I've always wanted to go back in time to before there were buildings and roads, just to see what the world looked like. I don't know if you've ever thought about that before. I know when, when Sarah and I went up to uh, Niagara Falls um, this year, we were talking about that. I wonder what it looked like when the first explorers came through and saw Niagara Falls for the first time. I mean, it must have been absolutely breathtaking. And that's what it was like for me out. Uh, in the valley of Laimina, a very special place to my heart. Another special place to me is the coffee company in Lancaster. I don't know if you've ever been to the coffee company in Lancaster before, um, but it's really close to Lancaster Bible College where I went to school. Um, and we used to go there all the time just to hang out. They had great coffee, bottomless coffee. I think it was under $2 a cup. And I remember one time I went with some of my friends, and uh, well, actually, it was me and another guy were sitting there, and, and we were there for a little while. I drank 12 cups of coffee. 12 <laughs> cups of coffee. Yes. Yes. And, and you know what? I felt like that was a record that I had to break the next time. So um, I forgot about that until I was preparing for this sermon. So next time I go, uh, Sarah probably won't let me do that. <laughs> She's smarter than I am. But... Um, that was where Sarah and I had our first date. We have lots of great memories there. Uh, we went there a couple months ago just to relive kind of what we uh, had on our first date, enjoying being together, enjoying the atmosphere, the smell, everything about it. It's a very special place to me. We had a movie on the wall not very long ago, uh, and we watched it. It was called War Room, and there's a lady by the name of Miss Clara, and Miss Clara had a special room in her house where she prayed, and she talks about how that's her favorite room. Do you have a special place in your life? A place that is of great significance to you. Israel had a special place. 
in the book of Joshua and continuing on through the Old Testament um, where there was a lot of significance to this place called Gilgal. And we're going to look at Gilgal today a little bit. Um, and what Gilgal is, I don't know if you've ever heard of Gilgal, if you're familiar with it. Um, but this was their, their base of operations as they moved into Canaan to begin their conquest of the promised land. Um, but it was more than just the base of operations. It's not just the place. It's not just Gilgal. There's more to it than that. And we're going to look at that this morning in comparison to the cross of Jesus Christ. Because I believe that there is many things in the Old Testament that point to the cross of Christ. Um, and I believe this is one of them. We're going to look at that this morning. But before we go any farther, let's open with a word of prayer. Gracious God, we are so thankful to be in your presence this morning. We're thankful for a place like Word of Life Chapel where we can gather in your name, um, Father, to just hear what you have to say. Father, please do not use my words this morning, but let them be your words. Um, Lord, we ask that everything that is said and done this morning brings glory and honor to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. If you could open your Bibles with me to Joshua chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5. I don't have the TV in front of me this morning, so if, John, if I start, you know, clicking without realizing. Now, as you're turning, let me give you a little bit of history. Israel's coming out of the wilderness. Now, if you remember before that, they were slaves in Egypt. The Lord sent Moses, let my people go. They were delivered out of Egypt. They disobeyed the Lord again. And the Lord said, okay, well, this generation of Israelites is not going to be able to enter the promised land. And this is where we kind of pick it up in Joshua chapter 5. Moses is now dead. They've moved across the Jordan River into Canaan. And they set up camp very close to Jericho. Now, Gilgal, this is not a picture of Gilgal. This is actually one of the places that some archaeologists consider that Gilgal might have been. Uh, but nobody knows for sure where it is. What we do know is that it was close to Jericho. It was close to Jericho. Uh, but we'll talk about that a little bit uh, as we go on. Um, but let's, let's start with uh, Joshua chapter 5. Verse 2, we're going to start at verse 2. At that time, the Lord told Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the second generation of Israelites. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the entire male population of Israel at Gibeath Haraloth. Joshua had to circumcise them because all the men who were old enough to fight in the battle when they left Egypt had died in the wilderness. Those who left Egypt had all been circumcised, but none of those born after the exodus during the years in the wilderness had been circumcised. The Israelites traveled in the wilderness for 40 years until all the men who were old enough to fight in battle when they had left Egypt had died. For they had disobeyed the Lord, and the Lord vowed he would not let them enter the land he had sworn to give to us, a land that was flowing with milk and honey. So Joshua circumcised their sons, those who had grown up to take their father's places, for they had not been circumcised on the way to the promised land. After all the males had been circumcised, they rested in the camp until they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the shame of your slavery. So that place has been called Gilgal to this day. While the Israelites were camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, they celebrated Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the first month. The very next day they began to eat unleavened bread, and roasted grain that was harvested from the land. No manna appeared on the day. They first ate from the crops of the land, and it was never seen again. 
So from that time on, the Israelites ate from the crops of Canaan. When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him. With a sword in hand, Joshua went up to him and demanded, Are you friend or are you foe? Neither one, he replied. I am the commander of the Lord's army. At this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sands for the place, sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did as he was told. As I was studying and looking through uh, this passage, and the idea of Gilgal relating to the cross, there were three words that somebody used that related to this, and I think they were three great words. I couldn't thought of them any better myself, so I'm going to use those three today. And the three words are remembrance, renewal, and restoration. Remembrance, renewal, and restoration. And we're going to look at each three of those words as we come through here. But Gilgal is the first camp that Israel makes as they come into Canaan. They crossed the Jordan River, and if you remember, the Lord dried the Jordan River up, right? The, the, uh, the priests had to carry the ark across the Jordan River. Everybody else was to remain, I believe it was about 2,000 cubits behind them, a good distance away. And they had to walk across the river following the priests as the Lord had dried it up. They crossed the river, and Joshua commands them to, the Lord commands, tells Joshua to go and to have 12 men Bring up 12 stones, one for each of the tribes of Israel, to set up a place so they could remember what the Lord had done, what the Lord had brought them out of. Gilgal is a place of remembrance for Israel. It wasn't just a camp. It was a very special place where they were remembering where God had brought them from. He had delivered them from slavery, and even though they turned their back on God, he still took them to the promised land. Because he was faithful. Gilgal was more than just a camp. And you know, as we, as we partake of the Lord's Supper today, uh, communion is more than just a tradition. It is something for us to remember what Christ did on the cross for us. The sacrifice that was made for us. And I know sometimes it can become something that we just do without thinking about it, but it's, it's so important for us to remember. We're supposed to do this in remembrance of him. This body that was broken, his blood that was shed for you and for me. Gilgal was more than just a camp. It was a place of remembrance. The second point today is that Gilgal was a place of renewal. In Genesis chapter 17, the Lord makes a covenant. It's called the covenant of circumcision. The Bible says in, in the beginning of uh, Joshua chapter 5 that all of the Israelites that were born in the wilderness had not been circumcised. There was no circumcision that happened in the wilderness. And so they come out and they, they, they arrive at Gilgal and the Lord says, okay, it's, it's time to start this again. It's time to start this again. It's time to... Start again. And he commands Joshua to go and to make... And let, let's just say this real quick. Imagine the faith that Joshua must have had to do this. He, he's camped in enemy territory, and he takes all of his fighting men, all of his fighting men, and he circumcises them. All of his fighting men! 
and, and he's on the, the, the plains of his enemies, and he's trusting that God is going to protect them through this. And, I mean, come on, he, he, he'd just seen how the Lord had dried up the Jordan River. Uh, I know that he must have had faith to say, God can watch over me, but that still takes some guts, takes some real trust to say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to do what you say, even though, to me, it does not make any sense. Or to me, it's just, this doesn't seem like the right time. Can we wait until, at least until we destroy Jericho? <laughs> you know, you've been waiting through the will. Can we wait until we destroy Jericho? And the Bible says that the cross is a place of spiritual circumcision for us. And I'm going to skip forward. We'll come back. Colossians chapter 2, verse 11 through 16, it says, When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Now when I keep turning my back to you, there's no TV today, and I have to know where to click. So uh, I'm not trying to turn my back on you this morning. Um, but it was a place of renewal for the Israelites. They'd come out of the wilderness and say, God, we are, we are for you. The cutting away of the flesh, the old us is gone, we are yours. God, we are yours. And the Bible says, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. The new is here. I have heard it said before, some people say, well, when you come to God for the first time and you're all broken, he's going to mend you right up. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that when you come to Jesus Christ, you are a new creation. You are born again. It's renewal. The cross of Christ signifies renewal for us, just as Gilgal signified renewal for the Israelites. The Israelites found themselves returning to Gilgal again and again. It was their base of operations, their main uh, camp, so to speak. And, and we even see in Joshua chapter 10, um, if you're familiar with Joshua chapter, chapter 10, where uh, Joshua is called to go and to assist the Gibeonites who were under attack from these other people. And uh, it's the verse where Joshua asked the Lord to hold the sun still. Again, a man of amazing faith. But we see at the end of that, even though they conquer, uh, they, they defeat all of the armies that were there, they return to Gilgal. They return to Gilgal. That's where they go back to they go back to Gilgal, and we need to go back to the cross. Luke 9.23, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. I think oftentimes we think of the cross, it can be something that we're just so used to seeing. I mean, it's over the church, it's in schools, it's on TV. It, it, it can just become something that is, is just a symbol. But it's so much more than that. Amen, it's so much more than that. Jesus says that we are to take up our cross daily and follow him. The cross is not something that was done once and we leave it behind. It goes with us every day.
Gilgal was a place of restoration. As the Israelites came across the Jordan River and they settled in Gilgal, they observed Passover. They observed Passover. And remembering what God had done in delivering them out of slavery. Well, who is our Passover lamb? Bible says in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, get rid of the old yeast by removing this wicked person from among you. Then you will be like a fresh batch of dough made without yeast, which is what you really are. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. The Israelites observed Passover in Gilgal. It was a place of restoration for them. They had been brought out of the wilderness. They had been renewed. And now they were just saying, Lord, listen, we, we are going to do everything right. We are for you. And you know what? God, Christ is our Passover lamb. We're going to observe that this morning. He took away the sins of the world. The early Jewish believers considered Jesus to be the fulfillment of the Passover lambs that were yearly sacrificed. And he was. The idea behind all of this was just as the Israelites were redeemed from slavery by the unblemished lamb, now men could be freed from the slavery of sin by the Messiah, the Lamb of God. It's amazing how many things you can tie from the Old Testament into the New Testament. How many things point to the cross of Jesus Christ and what God has done and what he was going to do. Gilgal was more than just a place. It was more than just a camp. It was a place of remembrance, a place of renewal, and a place of restoration. I want to listen to a, a short clip, and I'm going to come right back up. Many years pass. Jacob is dead. The Israelites that came through his family, they're enslaved in Egypt, and God appears to a man named Moses. Exodus chapter 3 at the burning bush. And Moses asks God the same thing Jacob asked God. He said, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you were to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Now, I preach that verse a lot, but I never preach the next one. And I'm going to leave you with it. Because the next thing God said to Moses is, say to the Israelites, when they want to know who I am and what kind of God I am, tell them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and I'm thinking he's going to say the God of Israel because that's Jacob's good side. That's the new Jacob. If you are God and you want to make yourself known, wouldn't you call yourself the God of Israel? Wouldn't you want to be the God of their good side? Wouldn't you want to be the God of the guy who, who was changed in the wrestling match? But yet he says to Moses, and he says to you today, if you want to know who I am, you need to understand, I'm the God of Jacob too. I'm the God of Jacob. I'm the God 
of that part of you that you don't want anybody to see. I'm not just the God of your success. I'm the God of your struggle. I'm the God of Jacob too. I'm not just the God of your victories. I'm the God of your defeats. I'm the God of Jacob. The God of Jacob is in this place. His name is Jesus. He's full of mercy, full of grace, full of truth. Oh, God of Jacob. where you find yourself today. Um, that, that two minute and 30 second clip, I was sitting at my computer this week and uh, I had on music that just kind of plays as I'm sitting there and all of a sudden this came on and this guy starts to speak and I thought, I don't want to listen to someone speaking, I'm supposed to be listening to music. So I skipped, I thought, I'm going to go back and listen to it. And it tied in exactly with what I wanted to share this morning. As we come to the Lord's table today, are you in a place where you need renewal in your life? Are you in a place where you need a restoration in your life? It can become almost habit to come and church, come to church on Sunday and sit in a pew, the same seat, <laughs> comfortably. But I believe sometimes we're in need of some renewal in our life. Sometimes we're in need of saying, you know what, God, I'm struggling right now. I don't have it all figured out. And I believe Gilgal is such an amazing example of how God brings Israel through everything that they come through. And God says, listen, I'm here for you still. You abandoned me and disobeyed me, but, but I never abandoned you. And I'm not sure what you're going through right now or, or where you find yourself in, in your journey of life. But I do know one thing, that God loves you. That he's always loved you. And I do know that the love of God calls you to surrender your life at the cross of Christ. And if that's something you've never done, Pastor Bob and I would love the opportunity to talk with you after the service today. Things are often more than what they appear. My prayer for you today is as you come to the cross of Christ on a daily basis and as you partake of the Lord's Supper today, that you ask God for some renewal in your heart. It's easy to get tired. It's easy to get burnt out. It's easy to get feeling like you're dragged down but we serve a God who's greater than all of those things. Let's pray together. God, it's, it's difficult sometimes to put into words the feelings that we have in our hearts. It's difficult sometimes to surrender. To put complete faith and trust. But, but, but that's what we want to do. Lord, I ask today 
Father, that you help us to surrender. Break down any chains that we have or any burdens that we're carrying, Father, that we can give them to you. Lord, I pray today that if there's anything that's weighing anybody down, Father, they're able to get that right with you before partaking of the Lord's Supper. Lord, may your name be glorified in everything that is said and done. In Jesus' name. Take your hymn books, if you would, please, and join me in hymn number 232. Hymn number 232, I Hear the Savior Say. Why don't we stand together on this hymn? Let's stand together. I hear the Savior say, I strengthen this Watch and pray, find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Lord, now indeed I find. choir behind me, correct Dean? So on the third stanza, choir members, why don't you come and fill in the pew, be, fill in the choir loft behind me. For nothing good I have, for nothing good I have, I'm by thy grace to claim, I'll wash my garments white, the blood of Calvary's lamb, Jesus. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning at verse 23. For I have received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, 
The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. Anyone who is hungry should eat something at home so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And when I come, I will give further instructions. In just a few moments, you will be given a bread cube and a cup of grape juice. The bread represents the body of Jesus, the body that was broken, the body that died on that old rugged cross. The grape juice represents the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus in which the book of Hebrews says is for the remission of sins. That is, that we are forgiven because of that blood. The blood of Jesus Christ is what cleanses us from all unrighteousness. I trust that you have trusted Jesus, that you have asked him to come into your life and heart and save you from your sins. You see, then we come before this table and we celebrate what Jesus did for us. We celebrate the fact that Jesus paid it all, that he shed that blood so that we might be able to stand before God in a right relationship, knowing that our sins have been carried and taken away. You know, this passage speaks about examining ourselves. And so for a few moments this morning, I think it would be good for us just in the quietness of where we're sitting, to just allow God's Spirit to search our hearts, to examine us. You ask God if God reveals something that you might have done this week, something that you know has not been pleasing in His sight. Bring that before God and ask God to cleanse you and forgive you of that sin. Let's pray together. Maybe it is that you haven't loved God with your heart and soul and mind.
Maybe it's something you said behind someone's back or gossip you have received. Maybe you haven't opened your Bible or prayed without ceasing this week. Father, we know that when we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us of those sins. So, Father, we want to come before this table with a clean heart, a clean slate. And we thank you. We thank you so much for what Jesus has done for us. We pray these things in his name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask if the men here would join me at the front of the church. We begin with the bread, and as I said, the bread does represent the body of Jesus Christ, the body that was wounded, the body that suffered there on the cross so many years ago, but it, that, it was that body, it was that death that brought about the salvation of the world. Father, we thank you for that body. We thank you for the willingness of Jesus to lay down his life so that we might be saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.
Let's eat together.
And I remind you again, the cup represents the blood of Jesus. The blood that was shed so that we might be forgiven. Father, we are thankful once again uh, for the willingness of Jesus to lay down his life. That this blood, Lord, might come from his body, indicating uh, that Jesus died. That he really did die on that day, on that cross. And the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed us now. We are forgiven because of that wonderful blood. Uh, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
As Jesus reclined at the table, he looked at his disciples and said, drink, ye all of it. Let's drink together. Father, we thank you once again for loving us, for Father, the Bible says that that love was demonstrated in the cross of Christ. We see that example of great love, Father, as you sent your Son into this world. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten Son, and whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. What amazing love. And because, Lord, you have loved us first, we now, Lord, are to love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So men are making their way to the pew. Would you stand with me? And we're going to sing a closing chorus. I love you, Lord. I love you. You probably all know this. <laughs> sing it one more time through acapella. We'll ask the instruments to drop out. Let's sing it acapella. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to King, in what you hear, may it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. Father, we do love you this morning, and we thank you. We thank you for saving us by your grace and pray these things in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen.